You're listening to the Fezcast, produced on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and featuring the independent thought... This is your emergency broadcast system. This is your emergency broadcast system. Morning, Grandad. A ticky ticky tonga. A ticky ticky tonga. A mass, a mass, a wire. A mass, a mass, a wire. A leo, leo, leo. We apologise for that temporary loss of transmission. We can now return you to the Fezcast. Everybody and uh, first of all, first of all, say hi, Matt and John. But John, who was that Tiki Tonga um, reciter? Go on, give us a bit of the uh, the low down there. Yeah, thanks to little Ollie Williams, six years old from Ramsgate via the North Stand Block Twenty Seven at the Stonex. Who's uh, his dad? Rob sent me that little clip that he sent his uh, Quinn supporting granddad at six o'clock this morning, uh, Sunday morning, to wake him up with. So, shout out to Ollie and to Rob. See you all next Saturday. Oh, absolutely fantastic that was, wasn't it? Well, been a good weekend, hasn't it, Matt? Yeah, I mean, apologies to anyone that had a bit of a heart attack with us. Uh, I was sticking that in there, but it felt like it had to be done. But yeah, it's a really good uh, good weekend for us. Good double for Saracens. Amped to one as well with a lot of Saracens players involved in that. So uh, it's gravy all round, definitely. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to hold my hand up in the air here and say I'm winging this quite a lot because we're me and Shazza on our wedding anniversary weekend, decided to start everything off and uh, go down to Stonex for the um, the women's game against Loughborough Lightning. Only the parlin that were roadworks on the, oh, sorry, an accident on the M40 um, at Stoke and Church cutting. And then the um, the old oh, no, belt slaps on Sharon's car. So we spent the time, we could have been watching uh, the Saracens women get a great result. And also, obviously, uh, the Saracens men as well. We stood, did it, um, spent it sat by the side of the M40 in the cold, which wasn't fun. Now, pretty unfortunate for you there, mate. But I'm sure, even though you've seen no rugby whatsoever, you'll still have an opinion on it, won't you? Well, absolutely. And look, how are we going to do this? You've got you've got a couple of um, of interviews, haven't you, um, Matt, from the women's game where, you, despite the um, restraining orders and everything that undoubtedly you've got on you, you've managed to speak to. Uh, Savi de Gouda and, and Zoe Harrison, haven't you? Yes, yeah, I'll be very grateful to the club. They are, they are recognising the Fezcast, weirdly, as uh, as proper media. And, uh, yeah, we did get a little bit of access at the women's game, both myself and uh, and Joe peek around. Joe obviously takes some brilliant photos from a lot of the women's game. And Muggles over here was uh, was given a bit of access as well. So I was able to speak to Sophie out in the freezing cold uh, straight after the game. And then a little bit more comfort in the media room with a little chat with Zoe Harrison. So, yeah, off the back of um, Saracen's beat in Loughborough, let's um, should we see what, hear what they've got to say before we have a say on it, Jess? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. You're listening to the Fezcast. Hi, Alex Osterberry here, Director of Rugby for Saracen's Women. You're listening to the Saracen's Fezcast. This is the Fezcast. 
So I'm here um, post-match um, Saracens versus Loughborough Lightning with a, a pretty strong win for Saracens in the first uh, PWR game. And I've got Sophie de Goody with me who scored a couple of tries today. Sophie, how did it feel for you today? felt great. I think the home crowd really got behind us. So, um, yeah, it was a really exciting game and I think a good performance with lots to build on. Excellent. I mean, personally, I was standing next to about 15 screaming kids who I think were all Sydney Gregson students, so I've got a bit of a headache today. But uh, <laughs> lots of people uh, shouting for yourself as well. Um, for, for you, what brought you back to Saracens after, uh, after a couple of years? What was the sort of decision process around that for you? Yeah, a couple of things. Like last time I was here was during our COVID season, and so didn't really get the full series experience like within the club and also with um, the fans and kind of the environment around the club. So I, I have heard so much about it, and I just really wanted to, to fully understand what it was like to be a Saracens um, club member. And then also just I felt like this environment with these coaches and, and these players, this daily training environment, was the best place for me to continue to develop and grow as a rugby player. Sounds pretty fair to me. That's fantastic. And um, the uh, experience of playing in the new tournament, the uh, WXV for, for Canada, and then coming straight back here, straight into uh, into league matches. Has that been a bit of a challenge for you, or um, or just ready to hit the ground running? Yeah, it's definitely been a whirlwind, but they were both um, different challenges and exciting in their own right. And it's always a privilege to represent Canada, but it's definitely an honour to come back here and pull on a series shirt, which um, brought some excitement of its own. And um, yeah, I think the season's long, and so this was a great way to, to kick it off, but there's lots to look forward to. Excellent. And any goals for yourself for the season personally, or is it just a case of winning every game and winning a few trophies at the end of it too? Yeah, the trophy at the end. <laughs> that's all. No, that's fair play. Well, uh, player of the match today, um, you've, you felt it went pretty well then, I take it? Yeah, um, I'd say we need to work on our discipline, uh, and that'll be something that we definitely look at, and, and what breakdowns we're picking and choosing um, as we go forward, but um, decent counter-attack and uh, some good finishes, so overall positive. That's fair, and uh, a little bit unfortunate the ball came off the kicking tee to start with oh as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's, apparently it happened to Zoe too, I don't know, maybe we need to get people to hold the ball down. <laughs> well, it is a bit blowy up, uh, up at the Stones today, but Sophie, very well done today. Um, Hope the rest of the season goes well for you and hopefully we'll speak to you again on the show soon. Thanks, appreciate it. This is the Fezcast. Welcome to the first ever Fezcast recorded live from the Saracens media room. So a bit of a privilege for us to be speaking to Zoe Harrison after today's game. Um, Zoe, it's been a fairly long road back from injury for you. Um, We'll come to that in a bit, but just getting half an hour under your belt today, did that feel pretty good for you or is there a bit to work on? Yeah, no, it felt good. Um, I've been in training for about six weeks now, so it was nice to actually finally get on the pitch. But because I've been in training for so long, I didn't feel like there was anything. Like, I didn't feel that I'd been out for so long. No, it's good news. It's good news. Um, and just with the team performance today, obviously, um, fairly big scoreline by the end of the uh, end of the match, but it took a little while to get going. Um, 17-7 after the first half. Is there, there a bit to work on for the team or, or pretty happy going forward? The first half wasn't... Um, we wouldn't say it was great and also our discipline was terrible throughout the whole the whole of the game um, so that's a major work on but I think you know, first game of the season a lot of internationals have come back so it was good to get a first game in um, as I say first half wasn't great but I think it was like building into a game of a new season with new signings and people coming back from international No that's good and um yeah, look, let's get on to the uh, on to the injury that you had. It's been been a long road back, obviously, um, when it first happened against against Quinza earlier on this year or or last year, I guess. Um, you know, pretty damaging injury, is it? How's the mindset been for you in in terms of um, that long road back from injury? 
luckily, well not luckily, but there was a few people at Saris that had done their ACL. Yeah. It just seemed like the season of the ACLs. <laughs> so we kind of formed like a bit of a rehab club. So that wasn't just me and Donna um, and Jodie. It was also like Theo was in it, Sam Cream was in it. Um, so there was like a few of us in it. And also there was some other people that would like get injured here and there who would like fall into the same time as us rehabbing. So it was nice to know that other people were going through it, even though like it's not nice, but there was other people there. So if I'm honest, like it wasn't, there was times where it wasn't terrible because there were other people there with you throughout the way, uh, throughout the journey. Um, and also sometimes I think I had to look at it as when I did it was the best time to ever do a long-term injury uh, just after the World Cup I'm 25 it was kind of nice to have a little break from rugby take a step back you know actually work on something else like in the gym um, and just have a, like a different look on life you know stuff that then you go away and work on for in the future or just doing something else because if you can repetitively do something, it can get a little bit boring. So it was nice to, you know, do gym better, become more athletic for when I came back, also look at rugby in a different way and also look at stuff that I should be doing in the future or stuff that I always miss out on I mm. now got to do. So what are you most looking forward to for the forthcoming season? I mean, hopefully keeping injury-free, but what, yeah. what, what else is um, on the agenda for, for Zoe? Just playing in this team that we've got now is such a well-depth team. There's a lot of talent in it. And it's just exciting to have that many good players to play with. Uh, also having the new coaches in is exciting. We've got Duncan Taylor who's just come out off the back of winning a Prem with the boys. So that's exciting to you know have his knowledge with us um, and working closely with him. Fantastic. Yeah, fair play. And... Still only 25, but with the vast amount of experience in this squad, do you, do you see yourself at all as, as being a bit of a mentor for any of the younger players coming through? I mean, particularly with Amelia playing yeah, today. Yeah, uh, I've really, I've actually really enjoyed having Amelia come through. I haven't like worked worked here and there with her a little bit, um, but she, you know, she was there for all the cup stuff, so she got to take a lead on that. But it's now nice now because I can see a, like a very good talent in Amelia, and I'm very excited to see um, her grow because uh, she's young, but she's had to step into a Saracens tenure at a young age, and the way that the game's grown since I was in that tenure when I was 18 is just massive. So her being put into that, it's, it will be a lot of pressure, but it's good to get it into her early because I think she'll grow into a very great player. So, yeah, I do actually like working with her because also working with her is keeping my knowledge going because it's repeating stuff that I I need to think of. Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of the 10 shirt, obviously um, with, with you away, there's been a lot of competition for that 10 shirt for England as well. And um, obviously Holly's moved on to, uh, on to Bristol. Is, is there a big goal for you to get back into that number 10 shirt for England or um, are you just sort of looking with a slightly different perspective at the moment? First it will be you know playing for Saris and getting used to playing in that 10 shirt again um, and getting back to it but yeah that is my that's the aim to play 10 start 10 looking to play 10 in that next World Cup Absolutely. Yeah, so opening game of the season good win today so who do you think looking forward at the season is going to be Saris' biggest competitors? It's going to be people like Gloucester, isn't it? It's the people that have been top four the last few years. I think it will be that it will be those teams will be the big competitors, but they will be the the good, the fun games to play against, especially with our team that's coming out now. 
Anyone particularly you're looking forward to playing against this year? You know what? I don't I don't look at teams and go like, like I just take the team that's gonna I'm gonna play that week and go for it. I don't look ahead to what fixtures really coming for me. I can't, I can't say yeah. If there's one where I'm like yeah, well, probably the final is the game that I'm looking forward to. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, yeah, brilliant stuff there, Matt. And as I say, yeah, thanks to the club. But, I mean, what a great result. I mean, first weekend of the PWR, there's been an awful lot of um, uh, movement uh, in the the press, in the media. They really pushed it. And a lot of the games, but particularly ours, really did put on a show, didn't they, Matt? Yeah, there's a lot of good rugby all round, actually. Um, And, yeah, I mean, from, from our side, I think we started off a little bit slow. Um, well, we started off with a with a yellow card pretty much immediately as well, and there were five yellow cards in the game, so they were being handed around like like confetti. But seventeen seven at half time, I think we were a little bit um, uh, off the boil slightly in that first half. I think there was a few of us that were a little bit concerned that um, you know Loughborough's back three very very quick, very very strong, um, and we did seem to be kicking straight to them and um, and then letting them run at us which was which is a little bit concerning i think actually if um if they were able to uh to throw a line out and catch properly um they might have actually been ahead of us at that point but um certainly i mean as as good as amelia mcdougall looks as an 18 year old fly half has got a very promising career ahead of her as soon as zoe came on um with half an hour to go you just saw that the control that we had um stepped up massively and yeah we just ran away from it in the end well, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it, John? I mean, if you've got a young kid there um, playing and you've got someone like Zoe Harrison who, you know, has been around the block, um, you know, and still fairly young herself, but, you know, so much experience, not only Saracens, but international level. Media's going to learn from that, isn't she? Well, absolutely. I mean, we see <clears throat> sort of parallels in the men's team with, with Manu Vunipola. So, you know, each time the younger player gets their chance, they've got to take it and... uh you know, I'm sure that it won't be too long before then before she gets a, another another run out. And as you say, she can only learn from working and training with world class players day in day out. And that's you know that throughout the entire organisation, that's that's exactly what we do, and we do it so well. So the interesting thing, Matt, I mean, from your point of view, having been there, I mean, there's a few players come back. It was interesting to see Marley Packer on the bench, but came on, got a try herself. Um, Poppy Cleal, uh, she's obviously not had the international time of it through injury or whatever I mean how did she fare coming back into that team did you think um, yeah I mean from Marley's point of view uh, Joe was fortunate enough just to get a few words from from Marley about about how she was feeling and why she was on the bench um, her exact words are unbroadcastable um, <laughs> but they were along the lines of I am very tired um, <laughs> so that that was why Marley started on the bench. Um, from from Poppy's point of view, I mean, she was she was one of the recipients of a yellow card, um, but it was one of those where it was Loughborough on a break and they were heading towards the try line, and she and she very professionally killed the ball. Um, it does happen. Um, yeah, she looked good. Um, I, I think from from Poppy's point of view, she's not been involved um, with England, like you say. Um, and looking at the the players we have around the squad, there is an awful lot of competition in in the second row and in the back row. Um, and Poppy perhaps isn't you know the first name on the team sheet um, at this point. She's got a lot of competition, which for for someone of her 
competitive nature is probably going to bring the best out of her, which is which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was a lot of um, a lot of old players, new players, returning players, a lot of people um, performing very well. Um, Sophie Digudi herself was was player of the match. Um, didn't quite have her kicking boots on, unfortunately, as uh, as you mentioned. But um, yeah, she was absolutely everywhere in that in that back row. Um, May Campbell played very well, throwing in. Actually uh, kicked a grubber kick through, which um, which led to a try. So Jamie George would have been pretty uh, pretty chuffed with that had he had he seen it. Um, and in the second half, the the backs really cut loose, um, particularly Sydney Gregson. Um, and yeah, it was it was a pretty solid performance all told. But um, Zoe herself was was a bit critical with the discipline, which I think is absolutely fair enough. So it, it shows that there's just more to come as well. Well, that's what you want from your team, isn't it? A continual improvement and the ability to be um, self-critical and and really, you know, understands that you want to do better and not sit on your laurels. And, uh, you know, I think it's clear from a lot of the um, words that have been said prior to this match that not reaching the final last year, John, ha- has lit a fire under an awful lot of those Saracens players. Well, these players are—they're they're used to competing at the business end of the season and to, to to picking up winners' medals. So, you know, as as we've seen throughout history, throughout the club, throughout the organisation, if if there ever there is a setback or something doesn't quite go our way, the Saracens are very very good at bouncing back and making sure that that doesn't happen back to back. So, I've got full full belief that uh, the women will, will have a, have a good crack at it this year, and it wouldn't surprise me if if they don't go on and win it. Oh, absolutely not. Right. Uh, shall we have a quick break there, Matt? And we'll come back. We'll talk Ampton, I think, first before we get onto the main bones of the uh, of the Fezcast. Or oh, leave us hanging. You're listening to the Fezcast. Listening to the Fezcast. You're listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association. And I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that, every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Okay, so um, yeah, um, before we move on to the main bones of um, Saracens away at Queen's small matter of Amtil coming down to London Scottish and putting 36 points on them with an awful lot of uh, Saracens involvement in that team and it's great to see some players such as um, uh, Jackson and uh, um, Keir and Charlie Bracken and um, Pierce Paul getting some exposure to really competitive rugby Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the relationship with Antil is um, is getting stronger every season, really. And um, I know there's been a few comments, sort of social media wise, about oh, it's a bit of a bit of a uh, a piss take for the for the Amtil players who who sort of don't get into the team because there's Saracens boys coming down. But they're 
from Amtil's point of view themselves, they're they're dead chuffed. Um, certainly from a from management perspective, um, some of their players are playing with some very strong Saracens players. Um, let's not forget that clubs like Amtil they have a, a second fifteen that plays in the league system, unlike unlike Saracens. Um, so everyone is still getting a competitive game. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic, really. Um, Brandon Jackson scored a couple of tries, which is good because I think he's had a few injury issues and he's looked pretty sharp when he's played for Saracens. Um, and I think it was Capelli, Pifoletti and Tobias Elliott that, that, that got a couple of tries for Amtil as well. And, um, and they've both been involved for Amtil in, in previous games. So, um, yeah, we, we've said for a while and particularly when we had our um, pretty dismal cup fixtures last year, that our younger players just, you know, they didn't seem to be getting enough game time together. Um, and it was showing when they were coming into the team and they were they were perhaps a little bit cold. Um, and so this can only be of benefit to them. And I think Amptil are, are probably sitting second or third in the table at the moment. So Saracen, Saracen's B, if we're, uh, we're going to be really cheeky about it, are doing pretty well in the championship. Well, undoubtedly so, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, for everything that's being said there, rugby is a results business. And if Amptil have got the opportunity to bring some players in that gives them those results, ups their, um, uh, their visibility amongst the game and, and you know, makes them more competitive. That's all good, isn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely. Mind you, if the injury crisis at Saracens continues the way it is, I don't think we'll be seeing too many of our players turning out for Amtil. But, yeah, you know, Matt said the, the Amtil happy with the agreement and uh, it, it's it's getting exposure and game time and, proper experience in proper matches which have meaningful you know the results mean a lot at that level so let's hope that that, that partnership continues to flourish and it helps the youngsters because it, it, it's as far as I can see you can't be doing anything bad it's 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 just all positive but yeah like I say they better hope that we don't end up needing to pinch all 10 of them back for Saturday Well, indeed, I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? But at least if they, if that does happen, these guys are battle-hardened and ready to go. But talking of results, we can't not now talk about the big one. And we remain, and always will be, the Kings of London, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a lot of chat, wasn't there, before the, uh, before the start of the game. And I think we did what <laughs> what we should do, really, and just stay quiet and let the rugby do the talking. Um, the first couple of weeks of the season seem a long, long time ago already, don't they? Um, that was a pretty complete performance from Saracens. Again, the back row um, and the second row were dominant. Um, absolutely fantastic. We, all right, we probably did most of uh, our try scoring via mauling, um, but it was a lot of work from, from the backs that set us up in in that position, particularly, um, you know, given as, as John mentioned, the injury crisis we've had, I mean, we had two players pull out, um, before the game even started. Um, and then one within two or three minutes and, and having to have a bit of a, bit of a reshuffle. And for the likes of Tom Parton and Ollie Hartley that came in and played a full match pretty much, um, they were absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, it was it was just one of those one of those days. I mean, if it was the other way around, we were talking about one of those days in the game that we played against Exeter. That is one of those for for Quins. But you know, for all of the all of the chat before the game, you really would have expected more from them. But yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic performance all round. 
Yeah, indeed. That's quite interesting, actually. I mean, um, I will mention, as I said, it's mine and Sharon's um, our wedding anniversary. So my mum and dad came up. They took us out for lunch. One thing my mum mentioned was the uh, before the game on TNT Sports, uh, Craig Dodd had got um, Jamie George and Danny Kerr together, and he turned around to Danny Kerr and went, um, well, you hate this lot, don't you? And Danny's sort of gone, oh, no, not really. Jamie's one of my best mates in the game. And there seems to be an awful lot of the media trying to build up. It's a healthy rivalry. We have some great banter with them and everything, um, as you would do with local rivals. You know, no different to what Saints and Tigers have or Bath and Bristol have. But it's people are trying to make it out to be something that it isn't, aren't they, John? It seems they are, but then I also don't think that's too much of a bad thing because if there is genuine jeopardy and the, the interest levels are, uh, are raised, even if it is being forced, then it, it perhaps brings eyes or new eyes to the game because there's always, you know, that's one thing that you could say about football. There's a lot of London derbies in the Premier League, for example. There's a lot of areas around the country where matches between Ipswich and Norwich, for example, mean a hell of a lot to a hell of a lot of people. And apart from really, in my opinion, Leicester and Northampton, I don't think that really exists in the Premiership to that degree anywhere else. And I think it's the same with with Quinns. It's, it's, you know, I don't hate them. I, I don't. I can't lie. Like I would say, if you ask me about Arsenal, for example, I would have a different answer. And I do think that that is just because the difference in the sports. There's there's a level of respect and integrity which we try to upkeep in the game of rugby. And I think that that stops the idiots from... Because that's what it is ultimately. You get tribal and you get hooliganism and stuff in other sports, which we don't want in rugby. But we also... It does mean more to win away at the Stoop than probably anywhere else for me. But as I say, I don't hate them. But geographically, they are our local rivals. And putting one over them and a record win for us in the Premiership at the Stoop and completely shutting them up was a lovely, lovely feeling. And we had a great Saturday night because of it. But yeah, I mean, mate, it was. I'm still buzzing now, honestly, 24 hours later. It was such a good performance. Well, absolutely. And um, talking of good performances, the one thing we do have to mention, because it's the one thing that everybody highlighted before the game, and about this game being answering the uh, the, the seemingly five year old um, question, who's better at Ted, Faz or Smith? And that question's been put to bed, hasn't it? You know, I like Marcus Smith. I think he's really, he's not going to be another Cyprian. I've already said this already. I think he's got enough in him that he he will develop, he will work hard, and he will try his hardest to be a better player. But when it comes down to it, I think one comment from one of the Quinns is, well, you know, Marcus Smith behind him, you know, that Saracens pack going forward um, would 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 spark the back line. Well, of course he would, but so did Owen Farrell. The difference is that that Quinn's pack wasn't going forward. And when you needed someone to, to be behind a pack going backwards and keep you in the game, Owen Farrell's that man as well. And, you know, that's just the, the mark of the guy is that he's got so much difference to his game. And the old master, it's like he's got away to, to the World Cup and he's shown Marcus Smith everything in the red book. But he's still got the black book tucked away in his back pocket. It's not going to come out for another couple of seasons at least until, you know, when, when Faz is ready to let the, new come, the, the next generation through, as it were, Matt. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, Smith v. Farrell chat. Um, I mean, just just on the whole rivalry thing, I agree with everything that John said, and I think actually we should say um, fair play to 
the organisers of rugby for once for deciding that a uh, a full weekend of loosely termed derby fixtures was um, was a pretty good idea and hopefully that continues um, but yeah with with Smith and Farrell a lot of it was about you know the key statistics um, passes and meters and tackles and all sorts of bits and Marcus Smith is leading Owen on most of them except for tackling because Marcus Smith can't tackle and most people say Owen Farrell can't tackle legally but at least he actually makes tackles um, but there's an awful lot that doesn't really come out in statistics for the way number 10 controls a game. Um, and that's exactly what Owen did this weekend. He controlled the game from 10 really well, backed up by Alex, Alex Good at a 15 slash 10 as well. Um, and Marcus Smith in the 60th, 70th minute was still trying a hitch kick and running into traffic and going nowhere. Um, and wasn't able to find any other way of going about things. His kicking was, was going missing because he was being put under an awful lot of pressure. Um, and yeah, like you say, a forward pack being fairly dominant, it certainly helps a nine and ten combination. In fact, you know it's very hard for a for a nine and ten to actually force a game if if your pack's going backwards. But yeah, it was it was a no contest in that definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, we've spoken a lot over the last couple of weeks um, talking about the forwards, and I think you know they again fronted up particularly in defence. I think there was a period of time around about the 50th to the 60th minute where Queens were knocking on the door and that door was not being opened. Um, but at, you know, at the risk of going on about them all the time, I want to focus on another player who's very, very much under the radar and I think has never, ever let Saracens down. And I know when we had um, Jack Sorab on um, a couple of seasons ago, Matt, he mentioned Alex Lewington as a bolter for the British Lions. And Alex Lewington is playing some of the best rugby he's played this season. Whether that's because he knows, you know, he was up against Max Bainings last year. And whether that's, you know, that's not there and, you know, he's got a bit. Or whether it's because he's getting an extra long run because there are some injuries around and he's an experienced player. Over to you, John. Go well, on. Not, I was going to say, I'm not a winger, so maybe we're the wrong person. But yeah, yeah for me, I, Alex Lewington is one of those players who he's, he's, I put him in the same bracket as Jackson Ray and other people like that, who during international breaks you rely on. And this is, a, although it's not in an international break now, obviously, he's grasped his opportunity. And I think he knows that he's going to get an extended run in the side, especially with the lack of competition fit and available at the moment. And Mark McCall's the master of pumping people up and making them believe that they're the best in the world. And it's obviously a conversation that they've had. It must have been. It must be because he's he's never been... Um, I don't think he'll, he'll probably never play for England, unfortunately, or never be an international, but he's good enough. But in our system, it just works. And the, the try he got at the end there yesterday was just classic. All right, it'll come off from Alex Goudou, who knows the genius and the master, but... You've got to have someone on the same wavelength. And Lewington seems always to be on that same wavelength. And he's a very important player for us. And long that continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think perhaps we can start uh, wrapping this up. I mean, we say, because I think we'll end up saying the same things time and time and time again, won't we, Matt? Let's have a look forward to um, the Bristol coming up on the weekend. And, uh, I spoke to Pete of Beyond uh, Bears Beyond the Gate, um, which went out this last weekend, Sunday night, before we played Quinns. And I mean, one of the questions he asked me was, and 
and it was very difficult to answer it without coming over as a bit arrogant or a bit sort of like condescending almost. But he said, you know, give us a glimmer of hope because people are looking at Saturn's mark now. And those first two matches, you know, the Bath and the Chiefs loss, it's almost as if we turned around and said, we don't want to be too far ahead. Let's make sure that it's competitive. And, you know, we take a couple of losses. <laughs> We're now back. And it doesn't matter which side we've seen to put out. We we are, you know, making very good teams like Queen's look a bit ordinary. And, you know, Pete's question to me was, uh, give us a glimmer of hope. Have we got a chance? And, you know, I had to say, look, you know, we fire like the way we, we can fire. And I don't think we've even got out of third gear particularly yet in any game. You know, there's not a team in the world, really, that could actually live with this Saracens team. However, you know, you've got a puncher's, a puncher's chance and, you know, everybody can you, on your day, you can win. And we've seen that a lot. I mean, you've seen Exeter Chiefs only just squeak a win against the poor Gloucester team. So I had to struggle a bit against Newcastle. Bath, were, you know, Bath Bristol was one point in it. It does seem like on any day, anybody can beat anybody. So I don't think we're going to go for the rest of the season. Now. It was an interesting question to see how other team supporters are perceiving Saracens, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably looks a bit different for us because we had our two losses at the start of the season and then we've won everyone since. But, I mean, you look at the state of the league at the moment, um, nobody's really got away. Um, and like you say, there is a bit of a theme and it does does seem to be that every now and then a team sort of switches off for 10 or 15 minutes and then all of a sudden they're 21 points down um, and it's happened to pretty much every single team. So it just shows that we do need to be fit and firing and, it, and it's and against every single team in the league. Um, so yeah, Bristol have certainly got a chance. If, if, we're, if we're not on it for 75 plus minutes of the game, um, then they could very easily get a foothold into it. I mean, like, like you say, that the, the defeat against Bath at home, we didn't actually get a shot in. Um, and Bristol have shown enough this season that they've got plenty of talent in their in their team. Yes, they're really blowing hot and cold, um, and there's, they've got some problems. But at the end of the day, everyone can beat everyone. Um, it'd be interesting to see how much we're licking our wounds with um, with the injuries at the. Um, Following the Queen's game, I mean Ben Earls in the warm-up particularly didn't sound fantastic at all. Um, and Elliot Daly, we think maybe was just a little bit fifty-fifty before the start of the game, and and was rested as a as a bit of a precaution. So we hope he's okay. But yeah, if we're missing some of our key players, we we could be back into a position where we were against Exeter and and Bath, where we are missing a few of our key men, and it really does show um, now that everyone's squads have been squeezed a little bit. So yeah. They've got a chance, um, but equally it could be the day that we really do turn up and kick into fourth, fifth and sixth gear and we put 50 points on them. But that's the fun of it. We don't actually know at the moment. It's making the season more exciting. Well, it certainly is that. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, that we all, all said at the start of the season who we thought would struggle, who we thought would be good. Uh, you know, Sam is probably still sat here saying that Exeter Chiefs are going to struggle. I don't think that's the case, although obviously there's issues there about whether their players are getting paid on time or not, um, which is a which is a discussion for another time. The one team that surprised me a lot so far has been Bath, but then again, if you've got someone as good as Finn Russell, 
uh, giving you that X factor. That's perhaps what they needed. A lot of um, a second year coaching team really finding their feet. So yeah, I think half will be there or thereabouts at the back end of it. We will say will, and it's one of the, of Tigers, Chiefs, Queens, Saints, I suppose. What do you think, John? I mean, it's, it still seems so like so early to have, be having these conversations, but then you realise we're a third of the way through the season, which is quite mad. But it, it all depends. I'm just, just going to interrupt there as well because Jez has mentioned, I think, eight teams there. I mean, there's only 10 in the league now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gloucester and Newcastle ain't troubling and nobody at the upper end of the table, are they? But uh... Yeah, no, honestly, it could... It, it... I mean, for, for this weekend coming, for example, it, it depends. I, I am concerned, as as Matt was saying, about our, you know, and you're talking about players who are as important as Ben Early is and Elliot Daly is, and Alex Lozowski's one worried me quite a lot because it was off the, you know, he was just running and he, it seemed his knee went. And generally, you find the ones where there's no actual impact are the worst ones sometimes. So, I mean, we'll see. But I, I'm still, I'll confidently say we're finishing the top two, but whatever happens with the rest of the league, anyone's guess there, there genuinely is probably eight teams that will that could squeeze into that top four and there will be peaks troughs and all sorts along the way but I'm, I'm we're enjoying it now than we were the first two weeks of the season absolutely well uh, gentlemen thank you for your time this year and um, today and um yeah brilliant we'll go off and have a couple of pints of winners beer have our cheesy winners grins face on and go and wind up a few more Quins lads on a Twitter and Facebook or whatever because that's always good fun isn't it and they do take it in good spirit but uh, we'll be back next Wednesday on the 29th with another edition of the Fezcast but until then from uh, myself Matt and John we'll say thank you for listening in thank you guys for your uh, input and we'll see you next week and ta A ticky ticky tonga, a ticky ticky tonga, a mass a mass a wire, a mass a mass a wire. Leo, 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 Leo.